This week's episode is sponsored by Extrastatic. Extrastatic is a hosting service for Svekel blogs. Svekel blogs combine the simple conventions of Jekyll with the incredible power of Svelte. Check it out at extrastatic.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Svelte Radio. We're here again after a month of no episodes. Uh, it's hard to schedule stuff, and then things happen, but we're here. Um, I'm Kevin, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Anthony and Sean. Hello. Hey. Hello. Hey. We're back. We're back. And today we also have a guest, Dominic. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Dominic. I'm a father of four kids. So if you hear any noise in the background, that's one of them. Um, I work as a development lead in the beautiful city of Vienna uh, at Emakina CE, which stands for Central Eastern Europe. And yeah, we are part of EPAM Group, if you heard of it. And yeah, it's been a lot of fun with my team of 15 people. Yeah, cool. I can, I can notice there in the background uh, that, you're, uh, that you're a father with the baby clothing hanging on the, <laughs> the washing line there. <laughs> I didn't notice it until now. Yeah, it's, it's the uh, reusable diapers. Oh, uh, I yeah. see, I see. Cool. Yeah. Sorry, all, all uh, your kids really young then. Uh? The oldest all... is five, and then okay. four, and then two, and half a year. Oh, wow. full house, full yeah. house. Yes. <laughs> all right, Dominic. So, so what's your what's your background? My original background is in mechatronics with a emphasis on robotics. Um, I worked towards uh, like in in that field for about seven years, and then after my first son was born, I decided to switch. Um, so I always had this hobby of web development, so I kind of switched and made my hobby, my real work, my day job. Nice. Cool. Cool. So, uh, I guess what you're doing now is you're actually building stuff with Svelte. I'm maybe? actually building stuff with Svelte and also building stuff without Svelte. Oh, the horror. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. All right. So, do you, do you use mostly Svelte, or is there other stuff um, that you're using more? It depends. When the project allows it, I'll use it. But we have some old legacy projects um, that still use AngularJS. I mean, it's a project that's seven years old, so there's no real way of. Uh, using Svelte inside of that project because it's tightly integrated uh, with the C-sharp backend. So, yeah, I mean, uh, we, we did like an uh, uh, advent calendar in Svelte that was integrated into that old AngularJS website. So there's still ways, but in general speaking, it's it's not really possible for all of the projects that I'm working on. Yeah, and that makes sense. So today I learned that you can write software, right, without Svelte. I don't, I don't understand that. I did, I, it's a completely new concept <laughs> to me. <laughs> you've been, uh, you've yeah. been in, uh, in Svelte land for too long, Anthony. Yeah. To venture for... outside. <laughs> I've forgotten there was uh, a Into world the outside the bubble. Yeah. <laughs> so you've been working on a larger kind of Svelte project lately, right? Yes, uh, pretty recently, like the end of last year, uh, we launched a pretty huge um, pre-order platform for uh, one of one of our grocery chains uh, where you can pre-order like huge bakery stuff. And yeah, we had about eight weeks of development and launched in November last year. Cool, exciting. So that's been live for, for quite a bit then. Yeah, it has been 
quite a journey and the customer is really happy and they notice the snappiness of the of the site and they're really really happy with it and they had like a, a bombastic december like the revenue was over the roof so they were really really happy with what we built for them oh, that's that's cool did you uh so you november that must have been in svelte kit time that must have been like the stone age almost yeah almost what? like it, yeah most of the stuff was stable but there were some still some some issues that we encountered uh like one of them i think that's uh Partly because of Veed, we had issues with virtual folders or something like that, where it didn't compile correctly, either in development mode or in live mode. So it, it was cool. kind of tricky to fix that. Well, you launched the, the project, I assume you did fix it. Yeah, we, we kind of fixed it, but yeah. Cool. So, so what are what have been your experience? Have, has it been mostly positive or? Yes, really positive. I mean, I'm the um, I'm the svelte spearhead, if you want to say, in in my company, and I had the pleasure to decide technology on that project. So I had like we were a team of six developers, in all, I think, or five developers, and they all enjoyed it, even though they had to do with Svelte and SvelteKit for the first time. So what I really appreciated was like onboarding time. It was quick and like considering those eight weeks we had for development, that, that really helped us in, in the process of getting it out there and getting it done. A question around obviously SvelteKit being an early stage when you started with it and stuff. How did you convince the business that that was something that they should get involved in? You know, considering it, it, you know this this word people use this phrase production ready, you know it's not production ready because it's not got a, a round number at the at the start of the version. Uh, they don't really care as long as like our clients didn't really care. Okay. Um, we just need to deliver something that's good and stable. Apart from that, like it's our decision, and if we if we mess it up, we have to fix it. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's what the, why they that's why people come to consultancies exactly, consultancy yes. agencies right yeah it's very common for for companies to to force technologies on agencies as well though at least in my experience well for us it's re really an issue that technologies are forced but yeah. that's good get to work on what you want <laughs> yes <laughs> if possible svelte all the way yeah i mean uh, i believe uh, the the reason why we had like not a lot of issues was because we used uh, like a static generated site so like we only had to deal with a part of svelte kit and not like the whole like server-side rendering and like uh, less code also means less bugs even for Svelte. Yep, definitely true. Oh, I have a question then. What is your styling solution? Uh, styling, like CSS? Yeah. Yeah, we use Tailwind um, because one of our um, uh, front-end developers was already pretty experienced with it. And it really helped like have a, like a common predefined language, which allowed us to move really, really fast in that as well so like considering those eight weeks that was also a really important and good decision to make it's just funny because one of the original reasons that i moved to svelte was because they had sort of built-in inline styles if we needed it and then we end up not using it 99 percent of the time like well sometimes you can need it. we still use it for for custom stuff but uh the like the general and generic stuff like it's it's not tailwind only but it's like utility it's it's called utility first and not utility only so we we were still heavily using and relying on those those styles in there it's interesting with with uh styling nowadays people seem to love tailwind 
I had, uh, so I did a, an episode of building Svelte society yesterday and I had, uh, Maddie Ostoya on, she's been, she's built something like a, like a CSS custom property, uh, utility first framework, I guess. So it's like tailwind, but instead of classes, it uses custom properties. Um, you, you guys have probably heard of open props by Adam Argyle. So it's I something like that. Heard of open props or open props? So, so it's pretty much what I described, but another okay. variant. <laughs> variant. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. So instead of having like, I don't know what the tailwind classes are for for padding or whatever. You is it p dash two or something yeah, like that? P dash whatever. Yeah. So you just have a custom property that would be the equivalent of that. Oh. It's basically a tailwind without tailwind. If you only relied on CSS variables. Yep, pretty much. Are we already in a post-Tailwind world? <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll see in the coming years. Um, <laughs> so any any downsides? What did you, uh, any problems that you ran into? I mean, uh, the mostly the problem that we had was with deployment that was, but that was not a SvelteKit issue because uh, we were like confined to Azure and uh, we were using GitLab for deploy, like uh, our Git repo. So the problem there, there's no integration. So we kind of had to hack around it and build our own CI CD for deploying to Azure static websites, which worked out in the end, but it gave us some trouble in the beginning. Yeah. So, so other than, than Azure, you have, do you have a backend API that you're using, or uh, we actually have two backend APIs that we're using? Uh, one for the admin uh, console and one for the normal pre-order service. Gotcha. Yeah. And what's what? What are what are you used to build that? We used uh, .NET Core, or as it's now called, just .NET. This is so. This is interesting because I ha I have no idea about anything surrounding .NET or those kinds of things. <laughs> is it, yeah. I, I guess it's just like, well, yeah, I guess it's just like a, like a backend. Yeah, it's C-sharp. Uh, it's, yeah. I think it, it's also pretty popular in some of the questionnaires about uh, developer questionnaires and what to use and like to use. And yeah, I mean, it's historically our company has built a lot on top of Microsoft and .NET, also the like old .NET framework. So we have a lot of experience in that area working with C Sharp and it worked pretty nicely. So we had a static website and uh, C Sharp in the backend and API driven application pretty much. So you don't, you don't use any of the um, .NET front end stuff at all, is that? It's just no, it's no, no, just yeah. API. All right. So in in SvelteKit, what what kind of stuff are you uh, are you feeling like? What what's missing in SvelteKit? That's a really hard question that I don't <laughs> think I have an answer to. Yeah. Probably uh, looking at a different project where I thought about also using SvelteKit. The E18N stuff is still missing, but yeah. that's like a huge topic and um, like I followed the issues there uh, on and off on, on GitHub and most people like mix and match uh, the E18N stuff with translation stuff and to me that's totally separate stuff because like mm -hmm. E18N can be baked in to uh, the, the framework but translations can still be up in the air or totally in the hands of the developer which like with our external uh, CMSs that we usually use in our projects, we don't really care about translation because that's done inside a CMS. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that I, I've never really had to, to worry about. I've just always been building English language websites pretty much. So, but I, I, I mean, there are a lot of countries, a lot, lot of countries where there are multiple languages, right? I assume countries like Switzerland would be a hassle. <laughs> and uh, 
you probably wouldn't use Svelte, Svelte Kit there until there's a like a proper implementation of, of internationalization or some solution. I don't know who exactly made uh, like there was one great suggestion to have like an optional spread like an optional parameter so you could you could have the uh, e18n like default folder but you could catch also the non-prefixed e18n version like the standard language and would not have to duplicate code which would which would be pretty cool and i think it could be even used for for other stuff as well yeah Sounds interesting. Yeah, I think I think optional spread makes this makes internationalization a lot easier than it was previously. Um, that was probably one of the one of the big drivers for adding it. I think. How do you manage the content, um, the translations? Where at this project we didn't have any translations. It's oh. just an Austrian-based company and just German, and n not even content management. We just hard-coded in there right makes yeah. sense that's the future in my opinion hard-coded <laughs> content it just makes it so much easier <laughs> i mean it's it's not really about the content it's about the products and yeah like the products can be adapted uh, through the to the backend admin panel cool. that makes sense so anthony you work at, at a company that builds tourist services indeed and i assume at some point, you're gonna build something that isn't English. Have you yes. have you guys thought thought anything about internationalization? Um, well, I think the last time I really did internationalization like that, I just kind of rolled my own with a bunch of JSON files that was generated by a tool that we found online that worked well. Uh, we did it with Google Spreadsheets before that, honestly. And oh wow, <laughs> yeah, I mean, because you know, ultimately, you can always do it within a in a spreadsheet in the simplest form. You have the the sort of key at the start or the English term, and then you have the other languages. You build a bunch of JSON files from it. Uh, we do that. We generate that at, at build time on CI. And then you can switch the language or you publish different sites. We, we published different sites last time, so we kind of did multiple bundles, but you could also do it dynamically. There's lots of different, different options. So I, I don't know. My requirements for, for this have not ever been complex enough that I've worried about having like this all bells and whistles solution. I've always gone with the simplest possible thing and then just upgraded as necessary. We used a tool, I think it was called like Lingo Hub or something. They might even have been Austrian. And I wrote, they, they didn't have any tooling at all around Node. They didn't have anything. And I looked at their API and it was really simple. So I built this little CLI for them. Uh, you know, the, the tool worked perfectly. People in the business could use it easily online. And uh, I wrote the CLI and I sent it to them via that little chat widget and I got absolutely no response. And I thought, well, you know what? I'm not using it anymore. <laughs> so next, <laughs> so I haven't decided who I'm going to use next, but how dare, you, how dare you not reply to my CLI that I spent, you know, at least hours writing for you <laughs> with full tests and everything. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, the, the tool, seriously, the tool worked well. And, and it, for, a, for a sort of pretty basic multiple language site, it worked pretty well. So I'd probably... Start there again. Start super simple, and then and then work my way up and and see what kind of requirements we come up with. Because I think that ultimately the point where it starts to concern me is not going to be solved by Svelte anyway. Because it's the point where you need not internationalization, but but I think it's called globalization. So it's a thing you do before you internationalize that makes the site work in different like jurisdictions or different regions. Because so right to left and stuff. Think, yeah, things like that, but also even the way you display information in different countries differs because people in different countries have different opinions on things. And so that sort of stuff is, for me, a lot more complex because it requires a CMS that needs a lot of a lot of flexibility, a lot of ability to move things around and, and shift and change things. And then we're in deep CMS territory and then it gets all rather complicated. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the bit that, that gives me the fear. Well, we... Kind of came up with a pretty nice architecture. We plan on doing a static site um, that's CMS driven and it has multiple languages. So um, mm. if there's anything that changes, it kind of triggers the rebuild process. And the nice thing about it is you, you don't really build pages. You just build 
page widgets and those can be be organized by the customer or in inside of the CMS as for each language uh, in in whatever way is is needed. Ah, interesting. Okay. So it's a like a CMS driven generation and like especially thinking about multiple languages and how content is structured different that could really help. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Interesting. So since you're since you used uh, SvelteKit, you also used Svelte. I did. What's what's the positives and negatives? Oh, the, we used like stores. We used heavily. Uh, we also used actions quite a bit. Um, some of them I uh, put into my own um, small packages. I called them Svekages for Svelte packages. <laughs> I was really surprised that its name was still available. <laughs> so, so, so is that S V A? So just S V instead of the P. Exactly. Much? Yes. Yeah. So I think there Classic. should <laughs> there should be five or so uh, on on npm under that namespace, and yeah, like those really help to to abstract some stuff away and make it easy for us to to handle interactions or focus management was uh, one of the really nice things yeah yeah focus is is tough yes and or accessibility rather is is hard yeah uh, it's not that hard do Ooh. you think <laughs> <laughs> do you think that Svelte should have a bunch of built-in common actions like like focus things like that you know part of the core um i would say no because they're really easy okay. to write sure and it might like to to build something uh that generic might be a greater impact on on your lines of code or like the yeah. the bytes you ship if uh, compared to when you write something that's custom fit for your project yeah okay so it's uh, those use cases are easy easy enough that you can do it yourself in in my opinion cool yeah that's good i mean cool. for, for stores it might be it might be nice to have the option to to have a persistent store that mm. i mean right to, to local storage yeah yeah okay or session storage depending on on, on the use case and I think, and I think, actually, yeah, I agree with that because I, you know, it becomes more and more a common requirement actually. And actually, I, you know, you can do it if you know what you're doing relatively easily. But for somebody who doesn't, despite the documentation saying, you know, this is a very simple store contract and this is how you do it, it's not actually that obvious. And I think that it would be good at least to either document this in the docs saying, hey, look, you know, here's how you can save something when someone updates a store. Or to just yeah publish that store that does uh, you know persist to whatever whatever is necessary session storage local storage cookies anything like that yeah that 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 might be a good idea especially for if someone jumps in like relatively new and yeah. then wonders where is all my data <laughs> <laughs> yeah so this project is there any continuation on it are you gonna keep working on it or are there uh, we we kind of built that project for this one client who is part of a, a bigger um, company, and inside the company there is another like smaller player, and it looks like we will redo or re-implement that same solution for them as well with a few tweaks there. So, but but apart Excellent. from that, I, I think we're pretty done with development. As as far as I know, so no new Svelte projects on the horizon, or other than not that not yet. But I'm I'm pretty hopeful that because it worked out really well, that uh, the momentum to do it again would be pretty great. Yep, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and okay. I mean, uh, a little side note here: we will like have our research topics this year. I. We're almost there where we picked all of them out and all of our front-end guys will have to look at the Svelte tutorial this year. So everyone in my team will know about Svelte. Excellent. Excellent news. 
Svelte is taking over the world, you know? Slowly, step by step. It's a, it's yeah. a fact today. Fact? No, not really, but soon. Soon. <laughs> when someone says right. it's a fact, it often isn't a fact. <laughs> that, is that that's a actually fact? true. That is actually a fact. <laughs> that is a fact. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> All right, so you you told us before here that you uh, you were just accepted as a speaker at uh, at a conference. What, what are you yes. tell us about uh, that? I was really excited uh, yesterday. I got uh, the like I applied f as a speaker f at We Are Developers this year. It's in June in Berlin, uh, like a in person conference. And I'll be there speaking about SvelteKit and the project that we did. Uh, and I think it will be great and really exciting um, to have SvelteKit and Svelte even more in the spotlight than it already is. Yeah. Yeah, exciting. So have you, uh, so I guess you haven't started planning for the, for the talk yet. I kind of did because we will do an internal presentation. Mm -hmm. And so sl some of the slides will make it into into the talk there. Yeah. So that's a like a preliminary presentation to make sure it's from the organizer side or how, how does that No, work? no, no. That's like an internal presentation that we plan to do because we'll uh we'll want to use the the project as a showcase. Ah, and I see. so I see. Uh, we will uh put all the information uh, make all the information available inside of our company and then uh, marketing can take over from there. Yep. All right. Yeah, I, th I thought you meant like an internal uh, talk for the conference. No, 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 no. Okay. I'll, I'll just reuse some of the slides there. Yep, that makes sense. So, go ahead, Sean. Oh well, for those who haven't seen uh, the pictures, uh, I think We Are Developers is one of the bigger conferences in Europe, and for American developers. European conferences, when they go big, they go really big. <laughs> so I, I remember, I think this is before the pandemic, though, so I'm not sure uh, what changed. But I remember that they're one of the conferences that has sort of the wall-to-wall -wall screens, um, just giant. Like, you look tiny compared, compared wow. to the screens. Um, so it's a very impressive venue. So uh, congrats on getting that kind of talk. And, uh, you know, looking forward to, to seeing you represent Svelte. There. Yeah, I, I think it will not be on the main stage, but <laughs> even so, <laughs> <laughs> we can hope. Well, is is that the kind of venue I need for for Svelte Summit in yes. in fall? Giant that, screen. Yeah, you you yeah. need that, but it will be very expensive. Yeah, yeah. I've been looking. I've been hunting for for venues, and I've I've got a couple that I'm I'm closing in on. So yeah. Oh, we forgot to talk about Svelte Summit Spring announced i don't think we talked about that last uh, last episode so yeah the there's new uh, svelte summit coming up uh, april 30th you can submit talks you can sponsor you can spread it around twitter you can do yeah you can sign up to the newsletter and uh yeah i guess that's the pitch it's a, not a very good pitch but <laughs> it's a it's a pitch all right so before we head off into unpopular opinions, let's talk a bit about the Svelte community in, in Austria and Vienna. Is, is that something that exists? or It's not a thing yet. And as you can imagine, with four kids, full-time job, and in, in addition to that, being a musician, there's oh. not a lot of time left uh, if I want to like do all the other stuff really well. Yeah. Which... Sounds like a time crunch. It is, yeah. But uh, I met uh, one guy uh, who's also in Vienna who has a company who uh, tries to do a lot of Svelte stuff. And maybe in the long run, there will be something happening in Vienna. I mean, that would be really cool. Yeah. But right yeah, now, I, I don't, don't see how I could manage the time. Yeah, makes sense. I really like Vienna. I, I need to. I need a reason to go there. Mannerschnitten. It's enough reason to come. What What is that? That's uh, uh, little waffles with chocolate in between, like Ooh. layers. So that's I'm one sold. of the that, that's one of the things that Vienna is famous for. The Mannerschnitten. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sounds like a good reason to go to Vienna. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think Anthony, you put this here on the on the show notes. Uh, oh, uh, yes. Right. So I mean, Decathlon uh, obviously is a global brand, and it's all over Europe and stuff. And they've been running uh, the new Decathlon site, which is written in Svelte. I, I don't know if it's Sapper or Svelte or whatever else. Um, we've been running that for, a, for actually a, a year or so now. But they had not rolled out the UK site and it was still using whatever it used before. It was very slow and pretty awful to navigate. And I just went on the other day and ta-da! It's not only got a picture of Decathlon's HQ, which is literally down around the corner from my house, which is which is weird because it's a French company. Um, mm. Not only has it got that, but it's all svelte kit and it's just super nice to use. And it, the reason I noticed actually is because they've done that, you know, the way, where they have that typewriter text where you... You see a word and it says like search for products, search for else. Their search bar has a little typey thing saying search for products, search for brands, search for, you know, and it's kind of cool. Yeah. I quite like it. Um, but yeah, it's cool that they've now rolled out and it must be nice for them too to have the same, the same thing running in every country. Um, but it's yeah. just really good to use. And I put it on Twitter and a, a bunch of people who are local to me here were like, wow, that is easy to use and, you know, much more, much more fluent and, and fast and snappy. And so awesome. Yeah another reason that Svelte is taking over the world. Indeed, you hear, indeed. You heard it here first, people. <laughs> Fact. <laughs> Fact. All right. Okay, is there anything else that you want to talk about before we head into uh, unpopular opinions? <clears throat> I don't think so. All right. So, Anthony, take it away. Okay. So... I, I'm gonna not. I'm gonna not just mention the name of this site because it's it's quite a big site. And to be fair, the, the core staple of their product does actually work pretty well. But everything else around it's just trash. And it made me think. You know, I was trying to resolve this problem with them, and and they were just. I went through five levels of support. Their their support staff until I got to like the person who runs support, I guess. And that person actually trash talked the other levels of support, which. It's happened before with this with this site and you know saying oh another department in our company is useless and i'm like seriously like even even if it wasn't even if it even if it is which it definitely is um that's not what the company line should be right that yeah our support staff suck um yeah that's pretty bad so yeah so no names mentioned but i'll say that i guess when you're building a product and you know you've got some tech that or else you've got two forks to go down one is you either fix your product so it works and, and it's, it's self-serve. And if it isn't, which this product really isn't, then at least have good support that are knowledgeable and know what they're doing. You can't have both being crap, right? Because it makes the product completely unusable and you're sort of locked into it and you're stuck there with this complete mess. Uh, and, and my ultimate line to support was I'm, I'm basically leaving you as soon as possible because I'm done, I'm fed up. Uh, and what else could you do? You know, you just, if they can't fix it, <laughs> you're stuffed. Yeah. Yeah. And their dogs suck as well, which just, you know, icing on the cake. So <laughs> yeah, my rant is basically do better. <laughs> you, you know, I don't, I don't think that's an unpopular opinion. No, it, it, it probably, it probably isn't, I guess it's, it's probably just a, an opinion. <laughs> should we, should we rename this to rants slash rants unpopular probably, opinions? Yeah. Well, it's I think we need rants. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what what we've learned here is is that ultimately um all of my unpopular opinions because of my influence are actually just becoming opinions becoming popular opinions. Oh. Fact. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> no, it's fact. I just said it. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. It's definitely a fact. Of course. Of course. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um I don't have an unpopular opinion. Sean looks like he has uh, an unpopular opinion. I've got a quick one. So I've been working on a kind of a starter project for a Svelte kit called SwixKit. Mostly it is an integration test for the Netlify adapter, uh, which I feel almost like professionally obliged to help maintain. Um, but also <laughs> I think uh, it, was a, it was a nice playground because I didn't rewrite for my own personal site to SvelteKit from uh, Elder.js. And SwixKit was kind of like a, a standalone like template that people can grab and go. And the main, one of the main changes I made was I, you know, I was very tired of um, checking in, making Git commits every time I wanted to change content. So I was looking for a lightweight 
CMS solution that doesn't involve paying Contentful like a hundred dollars or something. I'm sure they I'm sure they have a good free tier, but I, I wanted to sort of keep it keep the stack light. So I was very inspired by OneGraph, which uh, uses GitHub issues as their CMS, and it fits most of my criteria, which is that it needs to be it needs to accept a markdown. It needs to have uh, easy mobile friendly editing, and it needs to be able to uh, just paste in images. Like I don't want to have a whole separate image upload process and all that. That's super complicated. Yeah. I just want to be able to copy something to my clipboard and then paste it in and then just have it all done correctly. Uh, and then as a nice bonus, having also social reactions and comment layers. So GitHub Issues has all of that. And so I, I created GitHub Issues as CMS and everything seems to work. And when I demoed it recently to some guys from Stackbit, they were just blown away. <laughs> I had a call with them. They were supposed to demo me stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah. You know, I mentioned it in, on, on, my, on my site. And then they were like, wait, wait, wait. What is, what is that? And then show us that. Uh, and they were very impressed. So try it out if you want. There's a easy sample code that you can grab. It's actually not that difficult if you use the GitHub Issues API. That's an interesting idea. Not, you can even write what... uh, Svelte. You can even write Svelte components in the GitHub issue. And then if you set up the build chain right, you can actually have interactive components from GitHub issues. Because like ultimately, you're just putting in text. Yep. Uh, and you're just taking out text. And then you can just you know build that into your, your Svelte compile toolchain. Something to explore. <laughs> cool. All right. Uh, Dominic, you have a... Yeah, you have an unpopular opinion. Yes, I do. Or I let's see how unpopular it is. Like coming from robotics and uh, my my approach uh, to tools, um, like has always been to use the right one. So like, um, if I have a hammer, I don't try to make everything a nail. A kind of approach. Um, so my unpopular opinion is that. Also for that, that it also is is for Svelte that um, it's not the right tool for every problem that we encounter, and uh, that we should, even when we're fanboys, uh, that we should think about <laughs> where we where we need the the tools that meet our criteria. Like as Sean mentioned, GitHub meets all his criteria, GitHub issues as a CMS. So that's like an awesome example of using the, the right tool or the fitting tool for, for the problem that's at hand. Yeah, that, that seems like a popular opinion, but probably one that most people don't adhere to. Well, yes. maybe not most, but a lot of people don't adhere to it. We can't, we can't rename this section to popular opinions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my... Um... My counter to that is that right tool for most jobs is actually better than right tool for the job, um, because ultimately there's only there's a limit to how many tools you can know. Mm. So that's my modification. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I guess we're we're we go into picks, and I haven't figured one out, so I'll let you guys go first before I. <laughs> Fair enough. While I look around scramble. your room. Yep. <laughs> yeah, right. So, yeah, but Kev famously has nothing in his room. He just sits in a room with a desk and nothing else in a chair. <laughs> that is true. That is true. He's very, he's very Scandinavian, isn't it? Very, very minimalist. Minimalist design. Yeah. Um, I, okay, so I do... Uh, sorry, sure, uh, Kev? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, so I do have a pick. Um, and it's it, weirdly enough, it's not on my desk today. I was going to put it here, and I've, I haven't done. But so a company called Pine, they're known for making sort of, I guess, at cost hardware, which is interesting. So they make a, a laptop called the Pinebook, and, a, and a, subsequently a Pinebook Pro. Uh, they're basically laptops running Linux on. Um, they have been around for a while, but they're constantly out of stock because they don't have any sort of real, as far as I understand, process for manufacture delivery everything else logistics because they they're just literally selling them at the cost that they that they make them out so you kind of if you're lucky you go on the site and you see some and you can order one and they they say things like don't return them because we can't afford to deal with the returns process because we're not making oh, wow. any profit it's, it's but it's but it's great because it's very kind of like you know we're just making something because we we're passionate about it 
So I've been looking at these for a while. I've wanted to get one just because I really want an ARM-based laptop um, and um, Linux doesn't quite run on, on M1 yet. And I say I've been looking at these for probably about three years and they're never ever in stock. So I went on eBay, started looking for one and found one there, ordered it. I've paid a slight premium, um, but it's a great little laptop. Really neat, really well made. I, I think the actual manufacturer is Clevo. So it's Cle like a rebanded Clevo, but it's nice, high quality, <laughs> feels nice. It is a bit on the slow side because obviously it's just a, a rock chip, you know, sort of tablet-based processor, but really good battery life, of course, being ARM-based. It runs Linux well. It's got its own custom distribution based on Manjaro. And I've noticed when I was looking at their site, they're, they're releasing um, the Pine Phone as well. So that Pine Phone's out now in the wild. Pine a Phone? A Pine Phone, yeah. A purely open source Linux-based phone. Um, it is apparently very, very, very rudimentary right now. So you kind of turn the phone on the first time, you might get a screen full of text instead of an actual UI. But, um, oh. you know, that's, <laughs> well, that's, that's kind of how these things start. They start off, yeah. you know, very basic and, and the community and, and hackers and stuff get on and sort of start helping build it out and making a something really nice community built. So my, my pick, I guess, is a Pinebook Pro because I've got one, but ultimately I really like the company Pine as, as a whole, or a company or entity, whatever they are. Um, I think it's really brave to go into this without any view to making profit, but it definitely shows a good degree of honesty and, and, and sort of niceness around it. And actually their, their groups are, are quite um, alive, active with, with people discussing the hardware. They made a Pine Watch as well. I can't remember what it's called, but... Uh, you know, Pine sort of, Time? Pine I mean, Time, looking, yeah. Pine Time's the one, yeah. So that's another interesting thing. I, I love all this. Pretty like, funny name. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's pretty cool. I mean, it, all this stuff is it's all obviously ultimately hackable. Um, so very interesting stuff. Yeah, yeah. Good. You have Good mentioned for, uh, the, for the Pinebook Pro. The leading thing that I felt like it's important to mention was that mm -hmm. the whole thing is two hundred dollars. Um, yes. And you get pretty standard hardware for that. Like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm reading the specs and it's like 64-bit dual-core ARM uh, with 1.8 gigs of uh, gigahertz, uh, a GPU, 4 GB of RAM, like pretty standard, like, you know, decent specs. Does yeah. look nice. To, yeah. yeah, but like for a, for a price of $200. For $200 and unusual. It has NVMe support as well, so you can boot off a super fast hard drive and stuff. Oh, Actually, nice. one thing I didn't mention that I should mention, um, the whole thing runs off 5 volts, so you can charge it from a phone battery, which is really, really interesting. Wow. <laughs> um, you, can, you can plug the power supply into a USB port and, and, and charge it. I mean, that's, that's just cool. <laughs> Agree. Yeah. Nice. Nice pick. All right. So, I, I'll go next. Um, so, yeah, I think... Uh, what prompted this one was uh, your video that you released yesterday, Sean. You made a video about DSLRs oh, no. as webcams. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> tell me more. Yeah, so so I actually did this uh, a couple of weeks ago. So I'm using also a DSLR as a webcam, and uh, I find it like the I find the the picture quality to be a lot better than a webcam. Um, but it's I don't know like. It's 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 nice it's a nice thing, but I don't, I'm not sure if it's worth it, like monetarily, financially. But if if you do it as a job, it's definitely something to look into. Like if you want to record stuff in a higher quality. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the uh, the feedback that I got from that video was that uh, you know lighting is actually going to do a lot more for you, uh, mm -hmm. as well as having a nice backdrop. Um, what you're seeing right now, what we're recording with, is my Logitech webcam. Um, and it obviously does a good enough job. Um, I just wanted to try it since it seems so popular from by a lot of streamers and people who care about video. I think having the bokeh effect is also really nice. Uh, yeah. But these are luxuries I don't have. Like, I have a very small room. Um, I don't have the, the ability to, like, rearrange things too much. So I don't know. I think you, you make do with what you have. And Absolutely. so far, I haven't been very impressed by my $500 investment in <laughs> this oh, setup. Oh, okay. Oh, that's um, too bad. So maybe that's my unpopular opinion, that I, I don't like <laughs> uh, the DSLR setup so far. But no, I, I'm sure, I'm sure like, I also haven't invested a lot in learning about like, white balance and focus and stuff like that. So uh, I think you, there's just a lot. There's a huge step yeah. going from simple webcam to DSLR setup. Absolutely. Um, and I always wonder, like, I feel like someone should just make a higher end 
webcam that has the mirrorless DSLR setup kind of baked in that connects through USB because uh, and is powered by USB um, because that would basically fill a huge gap in the market that um, uh, people are currently filling like in a DIY fashion. They yeah. just want a very high quality like video experience without all the hassle. So yeah, someone yeah. should go make that. Yeah, <laughs> I, do I wonder mean, if. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, I was just gonna say like the 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 troubles you have to go through to actually power it using like those dummy batteries and you need like a yeah like it's so a stupid it's video the capture card <laughs> <laughs> probably is yeah <laughs> and you know it's, it's also certain cameras as well because they have to hold the 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 um something open to stop them overheating i can't remember the exact terminology but basically something yeah. in there will overheat normally um even if you've got clean hdmi um but it, but i think also you know a lot of the cost of a dslr is actually the lens and so I wonder if a webcam that that has that kind of quality lens on it to give you that bokeh in, to give that picture, is going to be any cheaper than just buying a DSLR. So I don't know. Yeah, a lot less hassle there, like Sean says. <laughs> Someone should make it though. Like I, I think sure. I saw something called Opal, but that's that's just like a webcam with like multiple cameras, something like mm-hmm. that. I, I don't. Know. Was it maybe multiple microphones? I don't know. Interesting. It seems to be mostly marketing, but um, I guess we'll see. They should call yeah, it Fly uh, Eye. Fly? Oh, right. Like a, like a fly's <laughs> eye, yeah. you know, with all yeah. the lenses. <laughs> That's my pick. Um, uh, so I guess it's my turn. Um, so I'm going to turn. pick. Yeah, I'm going to pick the State of JS 2021. I don't think we've picked that yet because it came out uh, while we were off. Um, so it might be a bit old news, but maybe some people haven't heard about it. There's an annual survey uh, that surveys the state of JavaScript, and we always try to send people there because uh, we want to represent Svelte in a nice way. Uh, I think we had a good year this year, maybe not as good as last year where we were just number one in everything. Uh, but also this year was the first year that SvelteKit was in, featured, and SvelteKit debuted as the top sort of full stacky type framework ahead uh, of Astro and Fastify and XJS. Uh, obviously, all of this is to be taken with a grain of salt because when we say top, we just mean in terms of satisfaction, which doesn't account for the actual popularity of the project. Uh, by actual popularity, ExpressJS is still the top full stack, sort of back the type framework, and then followed by NextJS. And I was actually digging into the um, the NPM downloads recently. Uh, React is still growing very quickly, and Next.js is accelerating within React. Um, so it just seems like a behemoth, um, and everyone else is kind of rushing to catch up. So that's the state of JavaScript. Any any other takeaways that you guys saw? Well, well, Svelte Radio is the top other podcast this year again. It was yeah. last oh, year. Oh, really? <laughs> That, yeah, nice. thanks for people uh, writing. Yeah, you have to write that in. Uh, so yeah. uh, thanks to everyone who did that. That's that's a very nice uh, gesture. <laughs> it's like, a, it's like um, yeah, I don't know. But I it's remember like, it's like uh, an I was also, extra award, uh, isn't it? Because you're not ticking <laughs> a box, you have to write it. That's cool. Exactly, yeah. Write-ins, write-ins are very meaningful. Uh, I was also yeah. like the bottom-ranked influencer. Uh, so, <laughs> oh no! So uh, I'm on the list, though. So like, uh, yeah. <laughs> Do you consider yourself an influencer? I, I guess no. Uh, that's not that's not the type, the the name. Uh, I, f- oh, I forget what they called it, but like uh, I was just making people. fun of myself. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sure you're gonna rise. I'm bottom ranked, rise. but at least I'm on the list. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, but also also the the suff- the suffix, what do you call it? The end the end thing, the write up is by is by Sean, so you know. He's, That's true. he's influencing us oh, all. Oh yeah, anyway. yeah. So yeah, that was a big milestone for me. Like when I was actually joining uh learning JavaScript, I actually interviewed Sasha about the state of JavaScript and uh yeah, then he he DM'd me to invite me to write the conclusion this year and uh yeah, that was a huge honor. Yeah. Congrats. Nice, yeah. All right, so I, I guess that leaves me. Uh, my pick is uh, Regex Search and Replace in VS Code. It helped me so many times uh, refactor really efficiently. Um, and it's very, very powerful, like with capture groups in inside of your search query. 
And um, for those who don't know, you can uh, kind of reuse uh, your capture groups in the replace again. So when you oh. want to have like uh, capture all uh, class strings in inside of your HTML um, and capture all the all the classes that you use, um, you can reuse that uh, pretty easily and uh, structure it then in, in, in the way you like. Um, so th that helped me out uh, very often to like uh, re refactor uh, 40, 50, 100 files at once and never had an issue with it. Oh, nice. nice. I always have to look up like capture group syntax. I'm still not very <laughs> confident with it. Same. Yeah. The yeah. Regex is, is uh, I mean, I, sh I should learn that. Uh, I, 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 I've used it very often, but I still go to Regex first and then uh, try out all the possible combinations that I'm looking for. Right. Because yeah. I, I don't want to mess it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't know you could do that with a search and replace. Yeah, it's pretty it's neat, neat pretty pretty neat. It, yeah. yeah, especially when you want some part of of your of your uh, search parameter to be um, moved back into the the replace. Yeah, string. Yeah, exactly. Cool. All right. So I think uh, I think that's that's us. I think we got through. All of the questions, all of the unpopular opinions, all the popular opinions, all the picks, all the rants, everything. All the, all the neither popular or unpopular, unpopular opinions. Exactly. So, uh, Dominic, um, where can people find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter. Um, sometimes I, when I have time, uh, I also jump into Discord, uh, Svelte Discord. And yeah, that's, that's where people can find me. Awesome. Um, thanks for coming on and telling us about your uh, Svelkit in production project. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Thanks to for having everyone me. Everyone else, always a pleasure. So thank you to everyone else. Um, we'll see you all um, next episode, whenever that's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> I Bye, think it's everyone. the Cyrus one. Yeah. Bye. Yep. Bye.